It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're going to talk about day number 12 of New York Jets training camp. This one was not at Florham Park. Instead, it was at MetLife Stadium. I'm sure it was a little bit weird to be there for the first time in quite a while. I'll tell you somebody who would know a thing or two about that because he was there today. One of my favorites on the New York Jets beat... Mr. Andy Vasquez of NorthJersey.com. Andy, thanks for coming on the show, man. Must have been a little strange being there at MetLife Stadium today, right? Yeah, Scott, it was it was really weird. It was almost like a, a bit unsettling, you know, to drive to a stadium that you're so used to, uh, you know, on most days having to fight traffic and stuff, and you drive into this empty parking lot, and you have to go in a certain entrance, they take your temperature before you go in. Obviously, you got to wear a mask at all times, and and uh, you know they have a special elevator dedicated to the media. But they want everybody to pretty much take it up on, on their own. <laughs> and then, yeah, everybody's sitting in the press box. You got this giant press box that's obviously big enough for a Super Bowl, and there's basically like ten of us in there, sitting all spaced apart. So it was comfortable, and, and from that standpoint, not having to be all up on top of everybody and, and have a nice workspace. But yeah, it was, it was super weird. And, and then it just got weirder with, you know, no crowd, no reactions to touchdowns, no reactions to anything. And the piping in of sound, that kind of stuff. It, it was weird, but it was also good to get back to some sort of normalcy. And I, and I think everyone who was there would agree with that. No question. I think at this point, people are just happy to see anything that resembles what we're used to seeing, especially when it comes to the National Football League. And one of the things Jets fans had been used to seeing out of Le'Veon Bell before he signed with the Jets was him making some plays in the passing game. It didn't happen a lot last year when he was here, but with the Steelers, it happened all the time. So that's why I'm saying Jets fans had seen it plenty. They were expecting it last year, didn't get it. This year, Adam Gase had said that he was going to do a lot more of that. He admitted that he made a mistake and was going to start using Bell as a wide receiver, and he seemed to do that today during the practice at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, we're not usually allowed to kind of divulge where they're lining guys up, but the Jets tweeted out a video of of Le'Veon Bell's touchdown catch today, so I feel like I'm safe doing this. Yeah, he was lined up out out wide on that one, and and made a really nice catch on, on a back shoulder throw, a perfect throw from Sam Darnold. Um, and I think you need to see that this year. You need to see him get involved in the passing game, and especially given all the depth issues they have at wide receiver, one of the positions they have a lot of depth issues at, one of the many. Um, <laughs> you need, you might see some of that this season. You might see maybe some things you don't expect at that position. So I, I think uh, it's, it's 
definitely interesting. It's something to watch, and they, they need to find a way to unlock, obviously, the skills that, that he has proven over the years that he has. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Glad to hear that Le'Veon Bell was looking good today, doing some things that we remember from his Pittsburgh days. But there's some weird stuff going on at the running back position. Let's start with the first thing, and that is Kalen Balage. It looked like he was coming in here for a conditional late round pick. Guy Adam Gase liked from his days in Miami. Could come in and do some special teams, help out a little bit with the running back load. Strange move because the Jets seemed like they had a log jam at running back, but he's young. He doesn't make a lot of money. They weren't giving up anything fine. Well, now it looks like it's not happening because he failed the physical. Yeah, and in very Jets fashion, all of a sudden, uh, this guy became suddenly important today when LaMichael P. Ryan went down with an injury at practice an ankle injury, which looks like it might be serious. We, we don't know the details yet, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. But so all of a sudden, Balaj looks like a guy who they need him, like at practice soon whenever this trade went through. And then you find out an hour after practice that the trade did not go through because of a hamstring injury. So I think this was the Jets' first trade with the Dolphins since 1995, maybe 96. I think ESPN had it 96. I thought I saw 95. But either way, first trade with the Dolphins in a long time. And, and it didn't happen because he reverted back to Miami 
because of this. And, and now the Jets have a serious problem when they return to practice on Tuesday. Like They have two running backs, Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, two healthy running backs. I guess Le'Veon Bell won't have to worry about not getting a workload anymore because he's going to get a big workload. They're going to have to probably sign – I mean, not probably. They're going to have to sign somebody before that practice. Maybe it's Pete Guerriero, the, the local guy who went to Monmouth and, and Rutgers. I'm sorry, not Monmouth and Rutgers. Monmouth and, and went to high school at Lyndhurst just down the street from MetLife Stadium. They signed him last week and then released him after they made that trade. So maybe they bring him right back just as a warm body of sorts fast guy maybe he could help out on special teams too but but yeah they've got serious issues and you know now you've got two veteran running backs um or obviously has a great history of not getting injured but but with with bell you know he's coming off this weird year and and you never know what could happen if they lose one of those guys uh, before the season you don't really know what do they do going into week one it's they're in a tough spot suddenly at that position and, and it's a huge worry and with P. Ryan, we don't know the extent of it yet, right? Because he's going to get an MRI, but it sounds like it has the potential to be at least a little bit serious. Yeah, I can just tell you what I saw. He, he, he got tackled awkwardly. I didn't see who made the tackle. I was, I was at that point focused on him because we all knew it didn't look, it looked weird the way he went down. And then he was down on the field for a while, got up walked without help but very slowly and not putting much weight on his left leg over to the defensive bench which was on the sideline where he was at and then they started looking at him uh working on his left leg took off his his left shoe he did some of those like test things where he went up and down in the leg and then they sh- they kind of shook their head and one guy went you know running back towards the puddle and Joe Douglas came over and, and kind of talked to the medical staff and then put a hand on his shoulder. It seemed to be comforting him. And then the cart came out um, and he walked over that again on his own, but, but very slowly and with a limp and, and was carted back. So that none of that is encouraging. He, he had, uh, he was scheduled to, to get an MRI, MRI and an X-ray. And Gates said that they're basically checking to see uh, if it's more than an ankle sprain. So it, it's not encouraging. It certainly doesn't seem like, He'd be ready for week one under any circumstances, considering that's two weeks away. You never know. It's I don't want to speculate on this stuff, but from what I saw, it, it looked to be concerning. Very concerning at wide receiver as well. You talked about this a little bit before, Andy, but let's dive in here. There's a new wide receiver in town, and there's still a lot of questions about who's going to be doing what. So DJ Montgomery comes in. He was on the Browns last year, but ended up missing the year because of an injury. He ended up getting released by the Browns, so the Jets claimed him. I looked it up. He is a real person. This isn't just some name that was made up for one of those Key and Peele sketches or something. He comes in now. You've got Brashad Perriman, who still hasn't been out there. Lawrence Cager, who still hasn't been out there. Vincent Smith is gone for six to eight weeks. We're still not entirely sure what's going on with Denzel Mims, so... This continues to be a scary unit for the Jets going forward. Tell me a little bit about what you know about Montgomery, and then what did you see from the wide receivers that were out there today? So Montgomery, apparently, he flashed last year during the preseason, had a couple nice games, and then had that hamstring injury, which ended up costing him the season. Obviously, it's hard to get intel this year because, you know, there's no preseason. Nobody really knows what's going on in the practices except for the reporters who are there and and the players who were there and the coaches and whatnot. So uh, don't know how he looked other than he was battling for a, a reserve role in that 
very crowded and talented wide receiver room. So just because he got waved by the Browns doesn't mean there's not something there, but it's, it's to give you an evaluation of this guy is really hard because, you know, no one's really seen him play in a year. So um, for the Jets to be relying on him as more than just kind of a, a camp body at this point, uh, it, it would seem to be a stretch, but who knows what's going to happen. I mean, you have a guy, guys like you know George Campbell who <laughs> Who had a good that that's also a real person. This is no disrespect to him. It's just <laughs> these people were not on the on the radar, the roster radar, uh, you know, going into the, the camp and now they kind of are because things are so weird. Jay Chesson, another guy who's had made some nice plays during camp, but you just don't know what you're gonna get when the lights go on. So um yeah, and they also lost Jeff Smith to a shoulder injury during Saturday's practice. And Adam Gay said today he's going to be out for a couple of weeks and, and that he was devastated because he had, you know, shown some promise and that he's probably going to be a starting wide receiver because that's where the Jets are right now. So this is uh, – I, I don't want to be like I told you so because I hate when people do that, but this was kind of the problem when they let Robbie Anderson go for nothing. Uh, they have – they had at that time one proven receiver on the roster, Jameson Crowder, who looked good today. They have now two with Chris Hogan, who also looked good today. Um but that's it. And, and now if you don't get, um, you know, Perriman, he's had the injury issues his whole career. This was a thing. He was supposed to be back at practice on Saturday. He wasn't, he wasn't out there today. Still got swelling in the knee. You, you have to, with his history, you have to be worried. So they don't get him back. If Cager, a guy who's never played in the NFL, obviously is an undrafted rookie has a knee issue. So what's going on there? I mean, they, they have some serious problems with that position and, that's why, like I said earlier, they're going to have to be creative at wide receiver. Should note, by the way, that DJ Montgomery went to Stone Cold Steve Austin, Peace State. So in case you were wondering, there's a little bit of information for you that you can look up and find out more about DJ Montgomery. But beyond DJ Montgomery, there was a lot of other interesting stuff to come out of the practice. To me, one of the more fascinating aspects, Andy, is you talked about how they piped in crowd noise and such, but they did a lot of other things to simulate a real live game situation, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, they did TV timeouts, so they would break and they'd put it on the little clocks. And, uh, if you've been to games at MetLife Stadium, you see over the tunnels, they have the digital awnings, so to speak, and on those awnings it says TV timeout and it counts it down. So they did that uh, a few times. They also simulated halftime. It's only 13 minutes and – Gay said the other day, it's it's a challenge, like because guys have to go in there and get taped. He has to give a message to the team, and now it's even more of a challenge because of the COVID protocols and the spacing that the offense and defense are in separate locker rooms. So, um, you know, for the Jets fans who who dislike Gase and don't think he addresses the whole team, I guess you have a case now because he I, he can't. I don't know <laughs> the details. Maybe. Maybe he gets on some sort of video or goes into both rooms. I don't know how that works. We didn't get into the weeds on that. But, yeah, the offense and defense are in separate locker rooms. So that, that was one of the weird things. But, but talking to the players today, they said that was basically, I mean, other than the totally surreal experience of being in an empty stadium and, and there being crowd noise piped in at various levels and how that's going to work, we'll all see starting you know, a week from Thursday with the first game. But um, – I guess, I guess that game will actually have some fans because it's in Kansas City, but it's just yeah, it's so it's so weird. It's, the whole situation is weird, and and this that's what they didn't do a, a full on scrimmage today, but that's what a lot of this day was about was getting out there and kind of getting a feel for what this weirdness is going to be like and and what the differences are going to be in this strange year. 
Let's talk a little bit about the battle for the number two quarterback position because we all know that eventually it's going to be Joe Flacco, but for now we know Flacco is not going to be able to start the season. It's going to take him a couple of weeks. So everyone just assumed it was going to be David Fales, but Mike White is really making his case for that backup quarterback job. Yeah, he's, he's looked really solid uh, throughout training camp. He, I mean, there was a period, I think, during that scrimmage on Wednesday where, where him and the rookie James Morgan were, were outplaying uh, Darnold in the first-team offense against the first-team defense. So both those guys have been impressive during camp. Um, and I, I think there is, a bat, there is like a legitimate battle there. Fails is going to have an edge because he's familiar, more familiar with the offense. Um, and, you know, even he didn't really, you know, get an opportunity to kind of show everybody how bad he was last year the way that, that Luke Falk did. So there's still, you know, hope that he could, in the, in the, if something happened, you know, maybe contribute. So I, I think he's still got the edge, but, but Mike White has definitely turned some heads during this camp, and he, he had another nice touchdown throw today, I think, to Braxton Berrios. So it, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely not the uh, – the most talked about roster battle on, on going on during training camp. But, but yeah, there's, it's not out of the question that, that he could win that job. Mike White as the backup quarterback, Braxton Berrios and Chris Hogan as potential starting wide receivers. I don't think anybody thought this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially Chris Hogan, considering the guy, you know, didn't get picked up by anybody. And even when he came here a week and a half ago, you didn't really expect much because he's coming off a year where he did nothing and, and it didn't look great even when he was healthy, but he's, he's definitely been impressive. I, again, I don't want to read a crazy amount into that because this is still, they're, they're not bringing each other to the ground. It's not real football yet. It won't be until they step on the field week one, but, but he is, you know, stepping in very quickly. And the last time we saw a guy do that was Jermaine curse week one in twenty. 18 and he ended up having an okay you know stretch there early in the season for the Jets so hopefully Hogan can can give them more he's going to need to give them more because of all these issues that receiver and and Gates keeps saying a lot of these guys he won't get into specifics about which ones he's talking about but but a lot of guys are close to returning so you got to hope that means Mims you got to hope that means Perriman and that those guys are ready to go week one and can kind of spread the burden around. One thing that you keep hearing is that Makai Becton has been overall pretty impressive, but there have been some plays every now and then where he gets beat and it's by somebody who's just using their experience to take advantage of the rookie who is still really learning the nuances of what it's going to take to play the position in the NFL. Today, Frankie Louvu got by Becton, but I think, Andy, as bad as it sounds that Frankie Louvu is beating this guy that everybody hopes will be Sam Darnold's blindside protector for a really long time, the positive here is that if it happens now, less of a chance that it happens in the regular season because if he can iron it out now and see some of these things now, it's more likely that he'll recognize it and be able to properly defend against it once the regular season starts. Yeah, absolutely, and I think there are a number of factors that everybody should take into account with Makai Beckton. And, and there's going to be, obviously, the only way he can live up to expectation, the ex- what's expected of him is not to give up a sack or make a, a mistake all season. And that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for a rookie in any year. And it's not going to happen this year where you have so many other factors where this guy didn't wasn't on the field 
until now, in a normal year, he'd be on the feet, would have been, you know, you said this is the 12th practice of the training camp. This would have been like his 30th practice. So um, this is not a normal situation. He is going to make mistakes, keep making mistakes in practice. He's going to make mistakes in games. It's going to happen. It doesn't mean he's trash. It doesn't mean he's a bust. It just means he's learning. And, and that, that's okay. I mean, overall, he is not making these big glaring mistakes. He's not picking up pre-snap penalties that I've seen. Maybe, maybe there was one, but I, I don't think there has been one. And that is encouraging. You know, some of the more complex stuff that, that Greg Williams is throwing at them, he's, he's having a little bit of trouble with, and, and Adam Gase admitted that today. But that's not stuff you're going to see regularly during the course of the season. He, just because other defenses don't typically do that kind of stuff. So maybe he'll be, he's going to be targeted because he's more likely to make mistakes. But look, let's manage our ex- expectations. I know it's hard to do that, but I think as long as you're seeing him play solidly, the majority of plays, there's going to be mistakes and Jets fans are going to have to live with that this first year. And just remember he's uh, otherwise, you know, he's been pretty impressive in terms of, you know, his study habits, his workout habits, he's, he's impressed the veterans. And, and that's encouraging. That's what you want to see because when you get a, a young Ballyhood prospect like this and, and they're not doing those things, you're not hearing those things, that's when you should be worried. So a mistake here and there is not, you know, a reason to, to, to wave the alarm or to raise the alarm. Uh, it's just kind of natural. It's going to happen and, and the Jets know that and, and fans should expect it. One thing that should raise some alarms, though, is the fact that one of his teammates on the offensive line who's expected to be a starter, Greg Van Roten, not on the field for team drills on Sunday. Instead, it was Josh Andrews and Jonathan Harrison taking turns filling in for Van Roten. Van Roten's still in line to be the starter, but this isn't good, especially when the offensive line has such a limited amount of time to really build chemistry this offseason. No, it's really not, and this is this is where you should be worried about kind of overall a repeat of last year. Um, we had an offensive line that didn't really get the chance to build chemistry. And now here we are two weeks before the season. And the, the hope is that Van Roten can get back to practice on Tuesday. That's why they sat him out today. He wanted to practice yesterday. And after a little while, they didn't like the way he was moving. So they took him out. I'm sure he wanted to practice again today, but they, they just didn't like the way he was moving. And with an oblique injury, that's that's a tough one for an offensive lineman. And I, it's, again, I don't I can't play the doctor, but it just seems wishful thinking that, that this guy's going to come back and, and not have any further issues with this after just a couple of days off. So that is, you know, to have the interchanging pieces when you're already basically, I mean, not basically, you have five new starters from last year on the offensive line. That is when you can start to see the big mistakes in games that lead to Sam Donald running for his life. So that is a huge worry going into this season. And the Van Roten injury is something to watch. And the Jets better hope he gets back and, and is his normal self at some point in the next two weeks. Or it's even now there's damage being done by missing today. So it's, it's not an ideal situation. And with Sam Darnold, somebody else that everybody's been monitoring very closely in training camp, been very hot and cold, and we have to use this disclaimer. Obviously, it's going to be difficult when you're talking about an offensive line that's really building up chemistry, but also a bunch of wide receivers that he hasn't played with before and then guys that are injury replacements. 
So you have to take that into account when you talk about Darnold's performance, but he struggled a little bit here and there, and the offense hasn't looked great. Today, sounds like he struggled early, but found his stride a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah. He, he led a nice touchdown drive at the end of practice, 71-yard uh, yard drive. I think he had 58 yards passing on six of eight, including a seven-yard touchdown to Hogan to, to end the practice. Um, but look, here, here's my take on, on the whole evaluating Darnold training camp. There hasn't been any he, – he, he's not making stupid decisions for the most part. He's not making egregious throws. There's a few on the run he's missed, which he actually usually doesn't do that. That's a little concerning. But but there's been – this is what you would expect from Sam Darnold heading into year three. He's, he's looked generally solid. He seems to have a, a better a grasp of the offense, seems to be more decisive, quicker – quicker kind of seeing things, recognizing things. Uh, if, if, you know, the coaches are always going to say stuff like this, but what we're hearing from the coaches is that he's, and other players actually, is that he's recognizing, um, like if Gase calls in a play and and Darnold can see already like the, the trend the defense is doing, he's like, you mean like we should do it like this, like making an alteration to the play before they even get out of the huddle. So uh, that that is all encouraging. But we got to see how it how it translates once the lights come on, on on September 13th. But there hasn't been he hasn't looked great. He hasn't looked bad. I think he's kind of where you'd expect, and we're we're gonna get a real idea when, when the games count. Andy, let's talk a little defense. Marcus May giving everybody a scare today, and then Brian Poole looks like he's getting close to coming back. I've said this before and I'll say it again. When the regular season starts, they better have a cooler filled with Poland spring bottles on the sideline because I don't want to be hearing that Brian Poole is missing three or four weeks of the season due to dehydration. Yeah, so with the Poole situation, apparently whatever happened was it's not as simple as dehydration. Uh, he had some sort of pre-existing condition or, or, pre or condition underlying condition that basically exacerbated the dehydration and mm. the Jets haven't won't come out and say exactly what happened but if you read between the lines with what Gase has said uh, whatever happened after that practice on August 14th was kind of scary uh, they, 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 they must have freaked either the medical staff players or coaches out because uh, they, they don't want it to happen again so um, Poole according to Gase wants very badly to be on the field and you can see that today. he's in a helmet you know, full pads out there doing warm-ups and then really engaged during, you know, individual drills. I didn't get a chance to, to scope him out on the sideline during team drills, but I'm sure he, he remained engaged. He was at one point during individual drills, like talking to Gase and Gase has said, you know, he's asked me like 15 times in the last two days, like, I, I feel good. Can I practice in case won't let him because they came up with a plan with the medical staff of, of when he'd return. We didn't get it specifically out of Gase, but it seems like he will be ready week one. So, so that is um, obviously would be good news. They need him on the field, and they need him to stay healthy, and they need to figure have this thing figured out. Because, like you said, I don't think it'll be an issue once it's not hot anymore. But but something with the heat and, and him isn't working because this also happened last year where he missed some time early in training camp because of a reaction. And, and you mentioned somebody else at the beginning of that, but, it, but it's escaping my memory. Marcus May. Oh yes, of course. So um, yeah, that that was not good. He left practice with a calf, with calf tightness, and again, he wanted to continue, but, but Gase said there was no way, and that's totally understandable because 
you know, they're so close to the regular season. And, and I am more bearish on this defense. I, I feel, or I'm sorry, bullish on this defense. I feel that this defense can actually be a lot like last year where, where they surprise people. But if you lose Marcus May for any significant amount of time, that becomes really, really, really hard. He has been, in my eyes, the best player on the field during training camp, just all over the place, uh, really embracing this new role that he has, kind of playing closer to the line of scrimmage and, and looked really good doing it. So they need him to be healthy with his past injury concerns. When, when a guy has cap tightness like this, it, it's definitely a concern, but he, he was walking around the sideline with a little limp and it didn't look serious. The fact that he wanted to go back in is, is good. The Jets need to make sure they get through this week without a setback and have him ready to go when they, when they start practicing for Buffalo a week from now. Let's talk about these injuries. We touched on P. Ryan. We touched on Van Roten. We touched on some of the receivers. Any other news involving the guys that were hurt or the guys that got banged up today? There's so many. It's hard for me to pull, pull it out of my head. <laughs> uh, I, I just just recall, but I don't think there was anything else. I can tell you, like I said before, that Gase says a lot of these guys are close to coming back and seems to think that they're going to get them in a, in a wave. So that would be good. But until it happens... Um, you know, hard to, to say because you know, Harriman was supposed to be back for Saturday's practice and wasn't because the swelling in his knee didn't go down. So it's it's definitely I, I think at receiver especially that's where they can get the most help coming back. Uh, get get some of these guys back there and at least get them some work with Donald before they before they get on the field for real. Let's talk about who spoke in the locker room after practice. Jordan Jenkins said there are no egos in the locker room. This seems like a coordinated team message that they've been pushing because he's not the first person to say this. I'm not saying that it's some sort of shot at Jamal Adams, but it's definitely something that the team is pushing right now as somewhat of a slogan. Jenkins also said about the brawl a week ago with Alex Lewis that he knew he could get Lewis riled up, and sometimes you got to get tempers flaring to see how people respond. That's great, but that's a little too brave from where I stand because Alex Lewis, the last person on earth you want to start a fight with. So Jenkins making it clear that they're trying to work as a team and that even if they have to rile each other up at practice to lift the energy of everybody, that it's something that he's at least willing to take on as one of the team leaders on defense. As a Jets fan, you've got to love what you saw from Jordan Jenkins because it's just it's his brand of leadership. And it's not the kind of stuff. I don't know if he was taking a direct shot at Jamal Adams. Now that you mention it, that it it, it may have been, um, but he's already kind of being the leader that Jamal Adams talked about being, but never really was. Because you know, when it came down to it, in the end, it was all about Jamal Adams. I mean, that's that's. I mean, the guy was standing in the locker room last year, you know, bashing the team in the own, in their own locker room, and, and they were still in position to you know, potentially make a little bit of a playoff run. So that, that to me does not, is not like a team first move. And, and Jordan Jenkins is a guy who is clearly all about the team first. Um, he, I like that. I like that, that I don't know if that's entirely true. If, if he was that in the moment where he, you know, knew exactly what he was doing, but you got to take his word for it. And cause, cause he did seem being there, he was very upset. <laughs> he, he was not, he was not happy. I mean, he was on the sideline and, and Le'Veon Bell and, and Sam Donald had to go over there and kind of calm the situation down because he was that upset. But 
you know, it did bring some life to practice. And I think that's for them to kind of put their own positive spin on it and, and come away with some meaning. I think that's encouraging. And, and look, with this, all this locker room, no egos in the locker room is different than years before. Jenkins even said it today. Like, you hear that kind of stuff every year. So let's see what happens. But, but yeah, it, it does feel different than it has in years past. And um, it di didn't mean anything in years past. Hopefully for the Jets, it, it means something this year. But uh, it remains to be seen. The coach and the quarterback also spoke. Doesn't sound like Darnold said a heck of a lot. Gase had some interesting things to say, particularly about Jeff Smith, who he said is devastated to have to be out for a couple of weeks with this shoulder injury. So what did Gase and Darnold have to say? Anything noteworthy overall? Well, we're going back to Jeff Smith. Um, I, you can understand why he's devastated because he got a shot, finally got his first shot in the NFL last year and, and suffered an ankle injury against the Ravens at the end of his season. And now he's in a position to be a starter and two weeks before the season goes down with a shoulder injury, that's almost certainly going to keep him out at least week one. And, and who knows what the jets are going to do because they have to bring in receivers. There's, there's obviously tons of possibilities there. So um, you understand why he's devastated. What, one of the things that to get back to your question, one of the things that Gase said that I thought was interesting was that they they felt like all these practices at tra at the facility kind of became Groundhog's Day, and and you can I think that's another reason why tensions have been a little higher than normal this training camp because usually by this point in August there's an outlet. You you have these preseason games and you can take some of that aggression out on other players. You can actually hit other players. You you don't have to pull up when you're about to sack the quarterback. So I think it was wearing on them in that sense, and, and it, it's still the case today, but to change the scenery, to go to MetLife, for, for it to be different, I think it was good for the team in terms of more intensity. And, that, and that's what Gay saw today, and I would agree with it. It was a much sharper practice on both sides of the ball, and there, there were fewer mistakes because the stakes were higher, at least mentally for them. So so that was interesting. And then, and then Sam, again – he, he wasn't taking any victory laps after that, that last drive. He was just saying that, that, you know, we were better, but also there is a lot of work to do. And there is a lot of work to do because <laughs> it, you know, when you saw what you saw on, on the field on Wednesday, which was just, I mean, it was, a, I, I could come up with a lot of words for what that practice was. And it was, none of them are, are fit for publication or, or for a broadcast. It was <laughs> awful. It was, it was like incredible to watch. It was just, bad so this was a step in the right direction but that, that same team that did that four days ago so there's a lot of work to do and if they come out with that kind of performance in buffalo they're going to get their doors blown off let's hope that doesn't happen because it's the last thing we want to see last year they lost at home against buffalo week one in heartbreaking fashion don't want that again but certainly don't want them to get embarrassed in week one against buffalo either andy vasquez covering the jets for northjersey.com thanks so much for coming on and recapping training camp with me really appreciate it for anybody that wants to read your recap, I'm sure you've got a lot of details from everything that we talked about here, and of course, plenty more throughout training camp that you've been doing over at NorthJersey.com. Yeah, definitely come to the site, check it out. Uh, you know, please hit the subscribe button. I hate to, to beg, but it's it's not expensive and it's uh, good for us. And this is a time when 
you know, a difficult time for everybody and, and journalists also need the support to uh, do the work we do. So that would be appreciated, but just, just come in and read and see if you like what I've got. I have a pretty detailed recap of today's practice uh, up on the website already. And there'll, there'll be more kind of details and other stuff. Some of the stuff we touched on today that I'll, that I'll be getting into on the, in the morning also on the website. So, and obviously the whole week leading up to, to uh, cut down day. A lot of stuff, including I'll, I'll, I'll do a roster projection, which is really hard to do with this team. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, they got to cut down the roster to 53 in a, in a week. So it's going to happen. And if the Jets are ready or not, it's going to be very interesting. And the good news is right now at NorthJersey.com, it's only a buck for a three-month subscription. They're running a really great special, which is perfect because football season's going to start, so you can have access to all of Andy's awesome work for pretty much all of football season for one buck right now at NorthJersey.com. So go ahead and head over there and follow Andy on Twitter as well. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.